0: Detected. Shields up! <laughs> Signature detected. Better look. Context, Starfleet
1: command. What happened? Context, Starfleet command. Delay that order. Context, Starfleet command. This is the captain. Context, Starfleet command. Get out of my chair! 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 We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to the greatest discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the Greatest Generation. I'm Ben Harrison.
0: I'm Adam Pranica.
1: Adam, we have a big announcement to make
0: well we do today but it was last (laughs) friday on the twitch stream that uh i was left alone totally alone to do that show for the very first time
1: i hear uh, i hear it went well i uh i was uh i was in ohio very close to where our card daddy bill tilly yeah i I was in ohio but i didn't get to see bill tilly because he was off on a on a weekend getaway of his own he knew you were coming yeah. I was, in, uh, I was in Columbus for a, a dear friend's wedding. It
0: was, on the one hand, great. On the other hand, terrifying. Because if I'm going to do the <laughs> Twitch on my own, I really want to be alone. I don't yeah. want you watching. I don't want <laughs> Rob moderating. I don't want anyone I know there. And that is yeah. exactly how it happened. I was totally alone. I spent wow. the whole day setting it up. <laughs> and then, uh, I had, I had very few technical, one thing I didn't say on the show itself, Ben, was during the setup, my computer started smoking, actual smoke <laughs> started coming from the fan. I've got an iMac pro. I thought I had a great computer. I've been really happy. Five year old iMac pro. I got it when it first came out, like new to the scene, had yeah. no idea it was five years old, but, uh, I saw some smoke coming out of the back of my monitor, and oh it really freaked me out. And this was like tw- this was 15 minutes before it was showtime, <laughs> <laughs> which is really like so emblematic of every tech check we've ever had before a live show of any kind. <laughs> like that's when the smoke appears. Live, live. So, for some reason, I soldier on.
1: Wow. I, w- I was like,
0: here's. I didn't want to disappoint you, and that's that's the the honest truth. I was like, "There's a part of Ben I know it that's expecting me to either not do it or fail," and I was like, <laughs> "Fuck that! I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna make it happen, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do this show." and And we went live.
1: Listen, if but, you had not done it or failed, it, I would have found a way to blame myself. I would have I would have said, "Well, I." I wrote all my notes down for Adam about how I set it up, and I did a bad job with that, and therefore it is my fault.
0: We're so compatibly broken because, like, <laughs> the, the entire day I'm like, I'm like skulking around the house, like nothing's working. I'm I'm fixing one thing and another thing is breaking, and my wife is like, just don't do it. Like, what what are you doing? Like, she's being great, and I'm like. I need to not depend on Ben to write the instructions for doing this. Like the problem is we both need to come up with our own personal ways of of getting to the destination. Right. And I think this has frequently been my problem in a lot of areas. Like relying on someone else's expertise to teach me when everyone learns things differently. And I just happen to be a very experiential learner. And yeah. I learned by failing a lot.
1: I felt like I was writing a recipe mm-hmm. for someone not knowing whether or not they knew like what a tablespoon was. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like I don't know like how much or how little information to include in this because a lot of this is just like it's very it's very complicated like setting up a stream like the ones we do.
0: It got me a lot of the way there. I had to go the last hundred yards myself which was how it should be got the show going and it was a very stripped down solo acoustic (laughs) greatest gen (laughs) twitch stream that night it was just me alone talking (laughs) and i did the full 90 minutes it was it was just spoken word adam
1: was you, was the room slowly filling with smoke as the old dust inside your computer burned off?
0: I was keeping an eye on that, and uh, there was no smoke after that initial incident.
1: Did you have a, a a fire extinguisher or something like close at hand just in case?
0: I'm so stupid because, like, <laughs> you know what's behind my monitor? I know what well, behind all of our monitors is is acoustical foam. So yeah, yeah. like were there to be <laughs> a spike in temperature that resulted in smoke or fire or sparks like yeah this whole room's going up
1: that would be no good
0: but what a great twitch stream it would be
1: Oh <laughs> yeah would be, would it would be it would be this is fine the twitch they'd be, they would make us partner that night <laughs> it would be
0: worth it so i so i get on the horn for yeah. for that friday's twitch knowing that I had no entertainment to bring whatsoever. No video games promised, no guests uh, able to be brought in, like right. nothing, just me. <laughs> so right off the top of the show, I'm, I'm setting expectations low. And uh, Look
1: at my lack of works, ye mighty, and despair.
0: <laughs> what I told the friends of DeSoto I could bring them was the winner of the raffle drawing for yes. the for the Legos that we busted up for destroy the Falcon 2, Destroyer the Coliseum.
1: Right. So if people haven't watched, uh, we did a live stream uh, for the second week of the Max Fun Drive in which we were planning on smashing the Lego Star Destroyer and the Lego Coliseum. We decided mid show not to, and then through accidental malfeasance on my part and some kind of like fit of peak on your part, both kits wound up getting smashed. Right. And uh, I think that I uh, I think that's probably off our Twitch at this point, but you can probably find the video on the Greatest Trek YouTube channel if you if you would like to watch this this live stream. It's really it's really a thing to behold because. We literally did not mean to smash the the first kit and it got smashed.
0: It's maybe the best live show we've ever done. Sure. It's, it's it was a it was showmanship tip to tail. <laughs> so what I what I could promise the viewers was the
1: raffle. Oh yeah. And and we were we were going to give these these kits away and uh and we decided when they got smashed. it's just a box full of loose Legos and some some posters and challenge coins from previous tours of ours,
0: yeah, I mean, to call them kits is very generous, Ben. You didn't even include in the instruction manuals. I was very <laughs> I was very surprised that that wasn't part of the deal that we sent to this winner.
1: I try to keep a a tidy office, and I got rid of all the packaging, including the instruction manual when yeah, when I was done building the the star destroyer. I didn't imagine that it was ever gonna come apart.
0: <laughs> yeah, very surprising. I suppose I did, but uh so i I gathered like so many Lego pieces, I gathered all of the email submissions out of the email box and do it into their own folder. <laughs> one hundred and seventy five of them. That's how many submissions we got. And then I threw it to the chat screen and the Twitch. I was like, someone, anybody <laughs> pick a random number between one and 175 because I couldn't come up with a way to randomize a Gmail folder. Right. And I'm looking at the camera right now to the viewers out there. No <laughs> longer need to know if there is such a way. It's fine. It's done what's done <laughs> is done so a uh, friend of the show in the chat pops in she gets nominated with naming the number she names okay. the number I count by hand all the yeah. emails and I get to our eventual winner Brian Brian from Washington DC and luckily for us Brian submitted a an authenticated max Fund boosting membership receipt
1: you had to make sure that the emergency action message did comply with proper formatting.
0: Well, the worst thing that could have happened on live Twitch is I go to a message in the inbox that's the winner. And it's mm-hmm. and it's like, fuck you for ending friendly fire. <laughs> <laughs> what we got was exactly the opposite of that. And having authenticated it live on Twitch, I was like, well, that feels kind of not dramatic. Like the guy wasn't (laughs) on the chat. And so like, well now what do we do? And then I got the idea. Why don't we call Brian? Brian's phone number is in his email signature. Let's do it. (laughs) Everyone on the chat gets excited because this feels like live radio.
1: Are you doing it like speakerphone up to the microphone kind of thing? You know it,
0: man. I didn't have that set up. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: I'm like should I call Brian everyone in the chat in unison all all 200 are like all caps yes <laughs> <laughs> so I call him up on speaker go to voicemail oh, oh. leave a message and then I send him an email and I yeah. was like Brian it's you write us back and give us your details I gave you a call tonight uh, wishing we could talk but uh, let's connect so he wrote back Ben And the email he wrote made me very happy that Brian was the winner of these Legos. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you what he sent. Team Uxbridge Shimoda, howdy! Sorry to disappoint by not answering the phone earlier. I'm up caring for my two-month-old daughter. With four people living in a one-bedroom apartment, I turn off my ringer once everyone else is in bed. I'm tickled to have won the Legos. I've been meaning to write for ages, to share with y'all how much your work means to me. If it's okay, I'd like to take this opportunity to overshare. I first discovered and fell for the greatest generation in 2016, shortly after my son was born not breathing.
1: Oh my God.
0: In his first year of life, he had nine brain surgeries and your dumb podcast was with me every step of the way, putting a smile on my face as I paced the empty halls of John Hopkins in the middle of the night. Man, my son, Ben, has listened to more Greatest Gen than I could possibly admit, so much so that whenever he hears Chula, he says, all up out of the rain, and makes a little rain gesture with his hand. It's the best. I've been to all <laughs> your live DC shows. Your earnest and passionate work on Greatest Discovery has helped me find a place for New Trek in my heart, and you've already gotten me to watch further into Voyager than I've ever seen. You certainly cast some sort of spell on me, Adam and Ben and Bill and Robs. Thank you, Brian. Man,
1: that's amazing. I'm worried that the, the Lego kit we sent is is too much for a one bedroom apartment.
0: I don't know. I mean, maybe uh, maybe the Coliseum, once reconstructed, could uh, could be a, a hard bassinet.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, get get kids back for years of adults stepping barefoot on Legos by putting them down to sleep in Lego bassinets.
0: Lest you believe I took Brian's email in the, you know, gracious, sensitive way uh, a Benjamin R. Harrison might have. My, <laughs> my response <laughs> took great umbrage with his son being named Ben and not Adam.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, well, maybe his middle name is Adam or something.
0: That would be good. Yeah. Anyway, uh, according to you, Ben, those Legos have been mailed as of this week, and they are on their way to Brian in a great it's big true. box.
1: Yeah. A, a box that took, it, it was uh, it was like $96 in postage because <laughs> there were so many Legos. It was so heavy.
0: Totally wiping out Brian's boosted support of the show was, <laughs> was the cost <laughs> to mail him those Legos.
1: Good plan by us. The, that is like an incredibly touching email and i i can't even imagine what those lonely nights in the hospital must have felt like and it's really amazing every time we hear something like that that our show was a source of comfort for somebody in a in a time when they were really going through something so um i'm i'm really glad that Brian won the the Lego kits
0: I'm glad that Brian put it the way that he did instead of, boy, those uh, those seats that you have to sleep in in a hospital room, very uncomfortable. Your voices <laughs> were the only thing <laughs> that could put could me way, way me down. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh Wow. Well, what a story and uh, and what a deserving winner. Um I'm just glad I have all those Legos out of my uh out of my home studio here.
0: Yeah. The challenge for Brian is is the reconstruction of both kits and Yeah. Yeah. And I want him to do that desperately. And I want him to do it without the instructions. <laughs> <laughs> Which he'll have to do because we didn't send them.
1: Yeah, we didn't send them. Yeah, you you were a little bit miffed at me that I sent without instructions and I and I reminded you. I don't have instructions to send.
0: I was telling my wife like I think the best part of what Brian has ahead of him is just the sorting of the beige and the gray.
1: Yeah. Like yeah. you
0: could probably spend 6 months just separating out the kits by beige and gray.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Feeling like a a stage tech who's been given the task of separating all the brown M&Ms out right. in, a, in a green room.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, have fun with that, Brian. Yeah.
1: Congrats, Brian. And thanks to everyone that supported us during the drive. Um, we uh, also should thank uh, Ryan from Sacktown, Adam, who, who kind of pimped us into this episode that we are about to do. Uh, This is is a TOS episode, season two, episode 26, Assignment Earth, that was suggested in a previous Priority One message.
0: Yeah, and I kept, as we were watching the episode, waiting for the moment that might have inspired that suggestion. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of tension throughout the ep, for that reason alone. (laughs) Do you want to get into it, buddy? I really do, Ben. Let's get into Star Trek, the original series, season two, episode 26, Assignment, Earth. I love this captain's log. (laughs) I laughed out loud so hard Kirk might as well be recording, so you missed kind of a lot, because we did the most amazing
1: thing before this episode began. I thought it was amazing that, uh, that chronotons got mentioned, not at all, in this opening. The Enterprise is just, in 1968, they have uh, used the light speed breakaway factor to travel back in time for no fucking reason at all.
2: Our mission? Historical research.
1: I
0: often call my dipping out of a party without saying goodbye, the light speed breakaway factor, but (laughs) it only ever returns me to a time before I left to go to that party.
1: Unfortunately for you, the light speed breakaway factor just means you are hiding in the latrine for the rest of the night.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Shatner's read of his own log sounds like he's grading a student's essay. There was something very weird about his delivery up top. Did you detect any of that?
1: I did, and I think I have a theory as to what is making it so awkward. Okay. Because we start, you know, with the Enterprise in orbit of Earth, and then we cut into the bridge where Kirk is doing his captain's log just in the room in front of everyone. And I think it's awkward as hell that he's, he's doing his captains along in front of everyone. Like, they just have to sit there quietly while he records that?
0: This is like someone in an airport lounge on the speakerphone. Like, <laughs> take it outside. <laughs> take it to the turbo lift, Kirk.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I was recently in an airport lounge, Adam, and you'll be delighted to know that guy taking a big uh, Zoom call on speakerphone in the airport lounge is alive and well. It's incredible
0: that uh, the same intelligence that that causes speakerphone in an airport lounge guy to exist uh, didn't cut him down during the pandemic.
1: I know. I know. Unbelievable. Well, the entrepreneur starts getting bangers dropped on it. And I guess Spock and Scotty are like working the transporter room when this happens because we cut down and they're both just like computering away at the transporter room controls and Spock reports that their, their system is being like taken over by an inbound transporter signal. And it is, it's coming from very far away and it is very powerful and it, it's kind of, kind of hijacking their ship systems.
0: In your imagination, did you see what I saw, which was like the, entrepreneur has somehow like passed in front of a spotlight like as if the transporter (laughs) beam was a spotlight and like that's yeah it was getting in the way of the of the transport beam heading to earth
1: i once was working on a uh a video project for engadget and it was that we we met these guys that were working on like a communication system for a robot that was based on Wi-Fi. And we were in San Diego and we were standing on top of a hill and there was like a another guy like two miles away on top of another hill that was supposed to be beaming a signal toward us. And he said like, if if you could see radio frequencies, if you could see Wi-Fi, you would be looking at that hill and it would look like points of light. Like it would, it would look like, a, you know sparkling city lights on on a hillside at night and it like totally like unlocked like oh yeah like that's how this works and i guess the enterprise is it doesn't have its like wi-fi password set up because this uh this signal just just takes them over and a dude materializes on the transporter pad this
0: theory of mine is not disabused later when it's clear that Scotty needs line of sight to beam someone off of the planet surface later?
1: Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is
0: that about?
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they, I guess it's because they're not wearing, like, com badges that they can scan for. They're, they, like, need, like, a very, like, specific fix on where a person is. Right. But um, but this dude uh, materializes. Uh, he's a, a man in a suit holding a cat with a sparkly collar and it's dun 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 to theme
0: he's a very good looking guy just want to put that out there like classically spy good looking this robert lansing
1: he he is so good looking and 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 the like music cue is so peaked i was like oh fuck, am i supposed to know who this is Uh uh-huh and I was like, is this a character from a previous original series episode or is he like a very, very famous actor? And he seems like he had like a a good career, but I, I didn't get the sense that he was like super duper famous in 1968 or whenever this aired.
0: He's got a famous that guy face. I was yeah. also surprised that like looking at his credits, he was in a ton of things, but.
1: Yeah, I was like, oh, maybe he's like in a old war movie that i seen or something like that but i couldn't i, I didn't I, I don't think i've seen anything else that he's been in yeah amazingly let me ask
0: you something when you need help on a job do you turn to a neighbor you trust or a stranger off the street after the break we see his name in the credits i love it when this happens <laughs> he, he yeah. hops off the transporter pad and uh and he's mr seven
1: Mr. Seven
0: Kirk makes Adam face when this man sets the cat down on the floor. I love this moment because he beams <laughs> onto the ship with his cat and then just lets the cat go.
1: And uh, he is kind of accusing them of having intercepted him. Like he's like he he didn't he didn't want to be on board the ship. He didn't try and take over the ship. That that was an accident. And what he's interpreting it as is something that they did on purpose. He's looking at the tree that he parachuted into, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> the uh, and, and he's like, you got to get me down to that planet. Like, it's very important that I get down there. And they're like, wait, 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 who are you, buddy? Like, what what is the deal? Like, human, you, you appear human, and yet you're transporting, and it's 1968? Foul, I call.
0: We scrutinize all of our strangers on Star Trek, the television mm-hmm. program. We can't just beam you on down to earth without having a little bit of an episode here
1: you've got to laugh at the fact that they scrutinize the hell out of him and not at all out of the cat though like right. if if he is an alien that can appear human why can't an alien appear cat
0: great call yeah like he carries himself as if he, he, he's got a great burden the burden can, can of... we call
1: him seven of gary
0: yeah <laughs> Seven of Gary looks like he's never laughed in his life. He looks like he has exactly one beer and then goes to bed. (laughs) (laughs) He does not want to go to the after work social event, uh, but he will. (laughs) Just so people will shut up about it. We We get a little bit of around the room in reaction shots, but the weirdest thing happens here when they're intercutting the reacts to... Seven of Gary is that they do a shot, non-reverse shot with Seven and Spock, and it totally, it totally shocked me. I've you so rarely ever see that in TV or a movie.
1: All of the framing, like all the all the the compositions in this, are are really fun and and kind of different from uh, your average Star Trek episode. And that and that like jump, it because they're facing the same direction. Spock is standing behind Seven of Gary when. When this happens, so like they're framed almost exactly the same way in the shot.
0: The reason you do shot reverse shot is to make it seem in the mind's eye like it's a conversation between two people looking at each other. So yeah. when you when you don't do that, when it's shot non-reverse shot, you're just transposing faces onto, onto right. each other. It's, it's not how it should be.
1: Seven of Gary explains that he comes from a very advanced planet. That is even unknown to Earth in the time that Kirk is from. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, what they want to do is help Earth survive. Earth in 1968 is going through a uh, very challenging time, and, and he's here to help. And they'd like to believe this, but they also, they're, they're a real trust but verify crowd aboard the entrepreneur.
0: Kirk is kind of a uh, trust but fight. Because this this yeah. conversation burbles into a boil, and then Seven of Gary tries to escape physically. Yeah. Like like he's not going to get thrown into the, into the brig for questioning. He's getting the hell out of there, and there is a full on rumble in the transporter room.
1: And he kicks the shit out of them. He's got like super soldier vibes in this fight. What's going on there?
0: I like this moment, and it takes Kirk shooting him in the back to bring him down.
1: Yeah. You start to suspect that maybe traveling back in time for no reason was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kirk does
0: what you'd expect any captain to do. We got to scan this guy. So we re- he orders McCoy to do it. Yeah. And what the fuck does McCoy have over his shoulder in Six Bay? It looks like a Furby back there. <laughs> Did you see this a,
1: guy? Like like the the macabre like zoological specimens that McCoy is apparently collecting is a real is a real scary situation.
0: If you're going to go see a doctor and your doctor has shelves <laughs> of of, <laughs> of jars.
1: Taxidermied creatures <laughs> and,
0: and creatures, you need to see in different maybe even see a doctor outside your network is what I'd recommend. Maybe <laughs> worth it.
2: I don't hate her. I hate what she's become.
0: In the next scene, Spock is getting cozy with this cat, while Kirk gets the WebEx call going, straight up asking for people to interrupt when they have further information about what may be going on with this guy.
1: Yeah. This is a, a McLaughlin group that it's is open ship-wide, and they're getting they're getting people reporting in. They get uh, Chekhov reporting in from the bridge. They get scotty reporting in from the engineering section they get that guy
0: who hasn't muted his line who's just like
1: in a very (laughs) noisy part of the ship yeah yeah he's like seated in an outdoor cafe and Uh there's a bus idling nearby
0: (laughs) spock seems to have a sinus infection during the scene or he's allergic to the cat because his voice gets very deep here
1: oh i didn't pick up on that seemed that way to me Current Earth crises would fill a tape bank, Captain. I was really impressed by how tidy his uniform remained, despite the fact that he was holding that cat. I would be fucking covered in black cat hair. I
0: was looking for that, too, throughout the episode. And in HD, you'd think you'd be able to pick it up, but I think they, they did a good job with the lint roller.
1: They did a great job. That lint roller was working overtime.
0: Big things happening in history on this date. The United States is launching an orbital nuclear platform.
1: The scary thing is that there are other nuclear platforms in orbit already. The uh I guess the Russians and uh the uh, the problem that Spock suggests is like if the sky is just full of these things, somebody, you know, slips on the wrong button or whatever and suddenly you've got H bombs raining and it uh, gives you what Denzel Washington memorably referred to as a nuclear holocaust.
0: You got to go harder with that O. Nuclear
2: Holocaust beyond imagination.
1: Seven of Gary is locked up in the brig, and uh, there is a red shirt there who is doing a, a bad job of watching Seven of Gary because he's, he's got his arms crossed and he's faced away from the door. Like, come on, red shirt. You know that Seven of Gary is the only threat on the ship. Nobody is coming in to attack Seven of Gary. You got to keep your eyes on that guy because he's got a magic pen in his suit. They didn't uh, they didn't pat him down before locking him up. Uh, when they lock you up, typically they take your shoelace and your belt and they would probably take your tie if you were wearing one, like Seven of Gary is. I I think it's shocking that they left him with all of these things and his watch and his pen.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they did a, they did a bad job for sure. <laughs> But uh, but what I like about this pen is it's less of a weapon and more of a uh, an orgasmatron. <laughs> when he, yeah. <laughs> when he points and shoots this thing at Jesse Plemons, uh, it looks like a very pleasurable experience for him.
1: Yeah, he gets kind of a, a an SEG b- before collapsing on the floor. It's like if a neuralizer from Men in Black didn't wipe your memory, but just made you happy and sleepy. Yeah. It's like a indica neuralizer.
0: I'll have what he's having. That's the
2: point.
0: In the conference room, uh, McCoy updates Kirk and Spock on what he's found in his uh, exam of seven of of Gary. And uh, boy, A-plus all around. Perfect body, great skin and hair, really tremendous penis and butt, and a personality (laughs) to match the kind of person you want to be and be seen with.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Men want to be like him. Women want to be with him. Cats want to purr on his lap.
0: <laughs> yeah, really making the case for uh, keeping Seven and Gary around a little longer. But it's not up to them, because uh, because on the PA, it's a prison escape.
1: Right, and uh, they kind of run to the transporter room, but they're they're too late. He's he's gone, baby, gone. Yeah.
0: Where seven of Gary has beamed is behind the door of a giant safe. It's also yeah. hidden behind a shelving unit in an apartment high above the streets of New York. And it seems like every wall in this place is,
1: is one of those pop-out walls. <laughs> yeah, This really reminded me of Chris Brenner's office. Yeah. Uh, I'm Chris Brenner. Brenner Information Systems. You know, Interface, Operations, Net Access, Channel 90.
0: Chris
1: Brenner <laughs> A really cool effect when the when the safe door opens and then like the it's like a mostly empty safe and it fills with like purple smoke and then it's like a black void that he walks out of it looked really good
0: Seven opens up one of the walls where there's a computer behind it and uh, gets right into an argument with this Beta <laughs> 7 computer and uh <laughs> Like, they go back and forth for, like, a minute.
2: I am aware of proper search procedures. Like,
0: crawl out of his ass, Beta 5. Jesus.
1: <laughs>
2: Negative. No
1: progress. It becomes a kind of rank measuring contest, and Seven of Gary has to invoke his status as a Class 1 supervisor before this computer will do anything. Uh-huh. And uh, I guess Gary Seven is looking for agents 201 and 347 who were sent to Earth to do something and uh, they haven't reported back in three days. So this cranky computer is, is on the task of like finding out what happened to them.
0: Every once in a while, an episode of Star Trek will have a line of dialogue that just distills everything down to the perfect description yeah of a time or a conflict and when we hear in this scene that that technology has moved faster than social knowledge (laughs) i kind of got the chills
1: yeah that's i mean this is a script that uh is co-written by roddenberry and this is like the kind of shit he wanted to dig into with star trek and the, the the basic idea is that uh I mean, as far as we can tell in this scene, Seven of Gary and this computer and the missing agents are all part of an effort by this distant and secretive planet to save the Earth and let let humans develop past this this critical mm-hmm. juncture. If If they have these weapons that can destroy them but haven't matured enough politically and socially to use them responsibly, uh, this this is a species that would like to make sure that we like get through that that gauntlet
0: these agents were on a mission to sabotage the launch of this missile system and in the transporter room the plan is hatched to beam down and follow Mr. Seven
1: yes and we get a look at like what the streets of New York are, uh, are looking like in 1968 and uh Really amazing. Every single woman in the city of New York has a fur coat, apparently. (laughs) I
0: had the same observation. Are the sidewalks always this crowded also? It feels like there's a natural amount of pedestrian traffic that you see in TV and movies that, you know, a lot. But what we get here is just an absolute riot of people walking back and forth.
1: I think that there is a version of new york as imagined by people in la that don't go there that often that is this crowded right and like i mean you know if you go to the if you go to new york as a tourist you will probably be in very crowded places most of the time you were there Mm -hmm. so it's it's an easy like misconception to to get your head around i mean like like it's a it's a pedestrian city like people do walk around a lot but it's not like Every sidewalk is crowded with fancy women in fur coats.
0: One of the people in the throng is Terry Garr, who's making her way to work that morning. She's running a little late, so she's in a bit of a hurry. And, uh, I... Very
1: early role for her. She she had done, like, some pretty minor parts before this, but this is, like, a pretty big speaking part, and she is so funny and great. Like, she... She really is. I, I... like I, I hadn't recognized her as Terry Gar uh, before. I had just recognized her as being like really like classing the episode up in a in a way. Like she's like the comedic acting and the like natural performance was just so fun, so fun to watch.
0: She gets up into her office and she does that thing I know we've all done, which is like whew. coast is clear. No one yeah. saw me come in late. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> Except seven of Gary knows that she's late and starts giving her the business right away.
1: Yeah, he's giving her the business and she's kind of like defending herself at first. And then she's like, who the fuck are you? Why are you giving me the business? I've never met you.
0: It's a confusing moment because you're not sure if they'd ever met before. At least at least I was confused by this moment.
1: Yeah, well, you're supposed to, you know, like when you're meeting people at a party, talk to them like they're already old friends, you know.
0: You got a, you got a Sammy Jankus that moment. And that's... yeah. That's what Roberta does here. Uh, Roberta takes great umbrage with being made to sit at the voice-activated typewriter uh, to to give her reasoning to report what she's been doing the last three days.
1: Yeah. It takes Seven of Gary a long time to figure out that she's not one of the agents that was sent to Earth to do this mission and uh is actually just a a secretary who has no idea who she really works for yeah i love that she is like so freaked out by the speech to text typewriter that she quits her job (laughs) it's like such a mind-shattering device to her like like, you and I do do speech-to-text stuff every week when we edit our podcast, and, and it's, like, something that has become so mundane to us. It's very fun to, like, remember what a magical technology that seemed like. She fails to see
0: the benefit of this technology to her job, because if I were confronted by an Adam who could do the podcast for me, I'd be fucking
1: thrilled. <laughs> She's a secretary. She lives and dies by how many words per minute she can type. Right. If the boss can just dictate a letter to the fucking typewriter, she's out of work.
0: So Spock and Kirk have made their way up to the office and uh, know of doorbells enough (laughs) for Kirk to ring this. Like, could you imagine being a futureman confronted by a doorway and knowing to ring a doorbell? I guess he, I guess Kirk's traveled back in time enough, enough times to know yeah. what to do in this situation.
1: They definitely have something that is not un-doorbell-like on the Enterprise-D, but I don't think that they do really on, on the no-bloody A, B, C, or D.
0: Right. When the doorbell is rung... Computer off. Seven makes for the safe as, a, as his plan for escape. And yeah. Roberta kind of Roberta shields... for some reason
1: yeah i mean she's seen like his uh his he's he's made himself some phony ids he's got a a nypd id a cia id and and an nsa id and I, uh, i
0: guess i just didn't get why roberta was ready to quit and then immediately pivots into defend seven of gary
1: yeah. But she yeah. does a great job here. She, well, she initially says, like, wow, 1312, fuck you, you piece of shit. <laughs> and then he, like, waves his uh, his pen in her face, and she changes her tune.
0: Spock could neck pinch Roberta, but doesn't. He instead chooses to rough her up until she flings off his cap. I thought that was a weird decision.
1: Do you think that he's just kind of, like, lost his confidence in his neck pinch because it didn't work on Seven of Gary?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah
1: so so she sees that that he is has pointy ears she wants to know what he is and um meanwhile seven of gary has has made his way to uh the launch site i guess like he comes out of a door with a liquid hydrogen warning on it and uh he's like walking around the- <laughs> this place with his cat and like initially nobody seems to think that that's strange in a in a very interesting way like oh yeah there's a guy with a cat here at the nuclear launch site
0: the funniest part of this moment to me is that the PA system comes on saying they're 60 minutes from launch of a Saturn V rocket that is maybe 100 yards away from their current position. (laughs) But but before that, everyone
1: needs to hit this food cart before it closes up shop. (laughs) Anybody want an espresso or a donut or something? It's so great. Yeah. The stock footage that they use in this episode is really fun. There's like... I don't know where I guess it's supposed to be at like some some military base, but it's a lot of uh, Cape Canaveral stock footage. You get to see the uh, vehicle assembly building and and lots of like helicopter footage of uh, of where the real moon rockets got launched from.
0: In the episode, they refer to it as McKinley Rocket Base.
1: Yeah. Kirk finds a a map of McKinley Rocket Base uh, right before a couple of NYPD officers come upstairs because Roberta has has successfully made a, a call to the police. And so she lets these cops in while Kirk and Spock uh, run into the other room and they've asked Scotty to just kind of like grab everything in a wide area. <laughs> and so what happens is they materialize on the transporter pad with these two cops. They hop off the transporter pad. And Scotty reverses the beam, and these cops kind of rematerialize in Gary Seven's office, uh, just with their jaws on the floor. Like, what the actual fuck just happened to us?
0: We can tell from this moment that the annular confinement beam wasn't invented until the 24th century. Yeah. Which is now the nerdiest thing I've ever said on the show.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a high threshold given that this is a Star Trek podcast, but. I know. Uh, It happens. So for the rest of the episode, we're just kind of like counting down to this launch and we meet, um, Cromwell, who is the kind of, uh, mustachioed launch director. And, uh, seven of Gary is like standing outside of launch control, looking at, at Cromwell's car when he gets, uh, caught by a, by a cop who wants to know who he is and what he's doing there. And, um, He's, he has to use his pen on this dude to uh to knock him out because uh he doesn't want to get he doesn't want to get in trouble with the fuzz. He still has to do this mission. He's 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 resolved to to complete the mission of agents two hundred one and three four seven because they died in a car crash on their way down to this base. Speaking of
0: cars, I just want to say that the campus cars available at McKinley Rocket Base are fucking gorgeous. <laughs> they are so beautiful.
1: The uh, the buildings available at McKinley Rocket Base are fucking bungalows on a studio backlot. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. At Mission Control, it's just short sleeve shirts and ties everywhere. Yeah. It's great. If Scotty had line of sight, he could just beam Seven of Gary up, but he can't. Yeah. And so it's up to the boots on the ground. It's up to Spock and Kirk to find him. And it's- yeah and it's it's this triangle of tension right it's the it's the countdown it's trying to find seven of gary seven of gary also racing against the clock to disable the rocket before it launches
1: i love this in i love it when when this is accomplished when like like there's a an extendo sequence of seven of gary out on a gantry like unplugging and replugging things in the side of the rocket and when you're w- there with him you're like oh, come on, Gary, you can do it. You you know, like, you're rooting for him. And then when you're with Kirk and Spock, you're like, I guess I'm rooting for them. I'm not really sure at this point if I, like, buy how much effort they're putting into trying to stop him. You know, like, it does seem dumb that they would try and stop him from preventing a nuclear launch. (laughs) Like, if they took, like, one step back. But I can also kind of get behind the idea that they are just sort of focused on, like, apprehending him and getting to the bottom of who he is and what he's up to, to the exclusion of, like, including new evidence in, you know, formulating their decision on what to do.
0: That shot of Seven of Gary on the gantry recalls so many similar scenes from early James Bond films yeah. where, where Bond is up on something super high and there's a rear projection city <laughs> skyline behind him. And they're like <laughs> blowing the giant fan at him and yeah. stuff. It's
1: great. Amazing.
0: I don't know how they controlled this cat. Cats famously never give a fuck about what you want them to do. And yet this cat is responding to Gary, Yeah. Uh, And responding clearly to an off screen handler, it's just a magic trick throughout the episode that this cat can be on the gantry and not jump off whenever it wants, for example.
1: It's a Sabrina the Teenage Witch level performance out of a real non puppet cat.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't understand.
0: I don't either. (laughs)
1: It's great. some pretty wild shit goes down. I don't know why Roberta is still hanging out in the office. I guess I guess maybe the they say that the doors are locked or something.
0: Roberta's a patriot. That's the thread we get this throughout this whole episode. She doesn't want anything bad to happen to an American rocket.
1: Yeah, so she's like sitting on the desk and knocks back the fountain pen that controls the uh, the the secret door to the transporter, and is winds up like twisting and turning some knobs she like happens to twist the knob at the right time when Scotty is about to uh, beam Seven of Gary off of the gantry.
0: This is another moment when when the Beta 5 computer is just like, nice one, idiot
2: Same to you
1: (laughs) (laughs) They really had a perspective on what uh, computer voices might sound like (laughs) in this era didn't they? Yeah, they made a really strong choice and they stuck with it. He, he materializes in his office and he's like, he initially blames her and and then is like, oh, like maybe you, you actually saved me from getting beamed back up to the entrepreneur. So good job by you. And the launch uh, is going to go off. And meanwhile, Spock and Kirk have been apprehended by the cops and they're up in the control room with Cromwell and a bunch of cops <laughs> watching this happen. Uh, helpless because the uh, the cop that uh, seven of Gary knocked out is uh, standing there with a pistol drawn on them you would think that they would have like a different room for these dudes to be in at a moment like this
0: you would think that but everyone is so single-mindedly focused on the launch yeah and they keep like people around mission control keep asking like a version of the question that goes like well certainly this is sufficient to scrub the launch right <laughs> and the and the a to every one of those cues is always no not really let's keep going like there was yeah. a man on a gantry fucking around with a panel
1: but nobody ever saw him and yeah and the other thing is that seven of Ga- whatever seven of gary did when he was fucking around with that panel is undetectable to the launch control systems like every time mm-hmm. they they get like radio check it's it's like everything is conditioned green we're good to go This episode
0: surprised me at every turn and maybe never more than at this moment. I never expected the rocket to launch. And here we are in the room. We're 10 seconds away and liftoff. There it goes. This is a moment in an episode full of these moments where Kirk just seems unable to do anything to affect a change in circumstance. He's always one step behind He's always baffled by what's going on. He's he's so unKirk like, Yeah. like he's not punching anyone here.
1: Yeah, the axe handle is falling on no backs. Right. Meanwhile, like Gary Seven is is working the computer, and you know Roberta like tries to sneak off and and call, I guess, the president or something, <laughs> and, uh, and then she she. You know, her eyes fall to a fancy cigar case on the desk and, uh, and she she winds up like bonking Seven of Gary on the back of the head with this cigar case. She's kind of she's kind of the Kirk of the episode in a lot of ways.
0: Lyndon Johnson isn't taking any calls right now because he's getting uh, fitted for pants. <laughs> Let's see if you can't leave me
2: about an age from the where the zipper ends, uh, around uh, under my back to my bunghole.
0: Did you have any idea why the Enterprise couldn't just shoot the rocket from orbit? Or or once the rocket had had reached orbit?
1: I was thinking maybe it had something to do with like if they shot the rocket, then the U.S. would think that the Russians had shot the rocket and that retaliate sense. or something. But yeah. I, all of that is headcanon, and, and I, I wish there had been more explanation or or it's just like that's too much of an intervention in this time period and we're not allowed to do it or something like that
0: yeah i could have used a little stitch of dialogue there uh, to help that out
1: so this is this is a big mess like this rocket is uh is is in orbit it's it's now deviating from its flight path because of what seven of gary did to it And in launch control, they're like, holy shit, we just shot a nuclear warhead and it is out of our control and it's armed and it's heading toward like Eurasian airspace. We're fucked.
0: Yeah. It's Crimson Tide all over again.
1: Mm -hmm. There's an amazing shot of uh, Spock in mission control in this moment where... He just looks so nervous It's like one of the rare moments Where Nimoy kind of gives A little emotion to the performance He just looks like very Very antsy about what's about to happen And he's wearing this like He's wearing a suit and then like kind of like a shitty bucket hat Yeah It's a look I like it He's nervous in launch Control Sparks in a bucket Hat
0: <laughs> How do they get back to Seven's
1: apartment? So they uh, they try and grab a communicator the uh the cop turns and tries to shoot them spock neck pitch and sim gets his neck pinch mojo back. They grab their stuff, and Scotty beams them directly to seven of Gary's office.
0: Yeah, that seems like that seems like the one place in the world you could affect a change to the circumstances. One of those computers in there
1: Yeah. Seven of Gary's head is freshly bonked. Roberta has taken his special pen and is kind of holding him hostage when uh, Spock and Kirk arrive. And now Seven of Gary has to kind of convince them that uh, that they need to trust him and let him finish his job because otherwise this bomb is going to go off.
2: You've got to let me finish what I've started or in six minutes, World War Three begins.
1: This kind of conversation has been happening in
0: our mainline Star Trek show on Voyager, like I thought about that episode where Janeway was trying to convince Amelia Earhart that they are in fact in the 24th century and they are space people. Right. And when Seven tries to explain to Roberta, you know, the reasons that he looks the way he does and has the knowledge that he does and all of these capabilities, his explanation is really rings as logical and believable to me. Like, like of course a smart alien species wouldn't do this work by themselves. Of course they'd use an actual human being that's been trained up to do their bidding. Like, that makes so much sense.
1: Like, I would love for there to be a Star Trek episode about a future person or a very advanced person that shows up and is able to convince people with corroborating information. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing that Seven of Gary doesn't have. And it's the same thing that, you know, Janeway doesn't have initially when she's talking to Amelia Earhart. This could be an entire series, though,
0: you know, like Mr. Seven was clearly, you know, taken from the planet and trained up by these aliens. But was there a moment when he didn't want that? Was he taken against his will? Did he have to be convinced to do this kind of work?
1: Yeah, I well, they I think they say he's like he's like a descendant of the people that were taken and they like he's been it's training that's taken place over generations, which I want to know all about this. Yeah. This is a, this is an area that I think it would be very interesting to see uh, Star Trek Discovery explore a little bit. Like yeah. if this planet is unknown in Kirk's time, maybe it is known in uh in the deep distant future.
0: Great call. Yeah, I mean if only we knew anyone in that writers room.
1: Oh, yeah. We don't. <laughs> yeah. If we did, we would be getting blown blown out of airlocks left and right, I think. Yeah. So Spock is, like, looking at this computer. He's like, I don't know what the fuck to do with this thing, Captain. And Gary Seven is begging, like, let me, like, we have, like, less than a minute left. I need to punch in the controls that are going to explode this rocket and show these people that they don't have enough control over these bombs and that they need to, like, take a step back and gather themselves
0: <laughs> is the reason kirk is so fucking chill at the most tense moment in the episode that he knows he can go backwards in time again and just like get it two over
1: that's it isn't it i guess yeah uh, yeah and he's like and and if we go back i know uh, one special lady from this time that i'm gonna pay a visit to and he like gives roberto a little wink
0: I just got sad because I broke the episode with that comment. Like, <laughs> like, because if Kirk has that power, then of course Seven of Gary does too, and yeah. nothing matters at all because nothing matters when you can control time.
1: The problem with time travel episodes in Star Trek, They they almost always break under a little tiny bit of scrutiny like that.
2: Yeah. I appreciate your time.
1: Great. One very interesting thing in this is Kirk is trying to decide whether to trust Seven of Gary and Spock basically says, like, logic is not going to help in this instance. So it's going to have to be your call, Kirk, and you're going to have to use your human intuition. And it made me think maybe intuition is a power that Vulcans don't really have. Like, they're so logic oriented that they don't, they never make guesses. They never, like, follow their guts.
0: Because that is at the core of what intuition is, right? Like, yeah. It's not intuition if if your decision is based on a on a math formula, that's just the answer.
1: Right. I like that. I like that they're like he is kind of implying that Kirk has a power that he
0: doesn't. So with Seven back at the controls, he destroys the rocket as promised 104 miles above the surface. And uh, we get a take from Shatner here that is just wonderful. Kirk makes a face like the fajitas are on the way from the other side of the restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) He seems so satisfied with the destruction of the rocket.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be the captain of this Chili's. (laughs) I want full relish! We get a uh, kind of seven of Gary's log. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's a zoom out from magic typewriter very funny this is like another scene where the framing and and compositions are very funny because it's like he's kind of like kicking back chilling in Roberta's chair uh, dictating to this Typewriter cut to Roberta like looking at him like, oh, you Gary is such a card always dictating to that to that fucking typewriter. We get a two shot of Kirk and Spock go back to Roberta who looks over at the couch and suddenly the cat is a sexy lady dressed like a cat. And then it's back to being a cat. (laughs) This is big fun. What the fuck? (laughs) I I love uh, she's
0: wearing the same the same necklace and she's making purr
1: sounds. That's how you know Mm mm-hmm and instead of a shirt she's just kind of wearing a bib like a gust of wind is gonna blow that thing up oh yeah you're gonna see everything
0: (laughs) it's a very sexy moment in an episode that is very chaste throughout like there's there's a there's some sexual suggestion here
1: for sure It kind of implies that roberta is the only one that sees it also because like when spock and kirk look over it's back to being a cat
0: yeah yeah what? that's true what's that about i don't know it was weird isis is some kind of cat woman i don't know whether to open fire or fall in love
1: it's weird anyways they've like verified that this was all part of the historical record it was a it was meant to happen this way time travel paradox blah 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 kirk and Spock beam out
0: time to do that thing we did before the episode started Uh, after the episode is over
1: yeah we'll head back to our time we're gonna do the most amazing
0: thing off screen
1: (laughs) (laughs) well they hadn't developed the uh, cgi graphics of star trek 4 yet (laughs) so yeah Yeah. you know they didn't have enough milk in the budget to to make that look like it happened in uh, 1968 it's true Famously short on milk
0: was 1968.
1: (laughs) Did you like this episode, Adam?
0: Speaking of 1968, this is an answer to your question also. Yes, I did like the episode, but did you think about the audacity of Star Trek making a show episode set in the years that the episode came out? Star Trek doesn't do that. Star Trek always does the time travel episode where it's in the very short future, like I'm thinking of the DS Nine episode where, right, where we're in uh, in San Francisco or whatever, like
1: or or the deep past, like they go to right.
0: But could you imagine uh, an episode of Discovery set in 2021? That is a really big swing for any television show, and yeah. they did it. And they didn't fuck it up.
1: They didn't. It's a, it's a, it's a good episode. It's very. Um, it's, I, I found it a little frustrating, honestly, because like I just felt like I didn't get why Kirk and Spock were up to what they were up to for a lot of it. Like
0: their job was in observation, like yeah. almost entirely in a very strange way.
1: Yeah. Like, and and once we have the scene with seven of gary arguing with the computer and explaining what the mission is it takes all of the tension out of us like like you don't want them to stop seven of gary you just want them to find out what he's doing and then like leave him alone right because seven of gary has an important job that they should that they would agree with if they knew what it was or if they believed him
0: i would have liked seven of gary to point the pen at spock because i want to see Spock's so face mm-hmm <laughs>
1: Yeah, I did think it was kind of gross that they cut to the trousers of everyone he knocked out and showed that they did cream their jeans.
0: Yeah. Oh, and you and that's the thing, Ben. Those aren't jeans. That's that's very thin gabardine.
1: Yeah. That. Uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be hard to clean out. That's a that's that, a protein stain that doesn't just buff out.
0: That's why you keep an extra pair of pants in your uh, desk drawer at work. <laughs> just me. Yeah.
1: Adam, do you want to uh, check out the Priority One Inbox here on The Greatest Discovery?
0: The Priority One Inbox is the reason we're doing this episode today, so of course.
2: Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel.
1: Adam, we have a couple of Priority One messages. The first one here is of a promotional nature, and it goes like this. We all know that there is no ethical consumption in capitalism. But what my theory presupposes is that since collapse is inevitable, maybe come to the Greatest Discovery Facebook group for some cool hangs and to chat about the pod.
0: That's the one thing I know about Bane. Always up for cool
1: hangs. It's the online community. You need, even if it's not on the social network, you deserve <laughs> So join the Facebook group for the Greatest Discovery.
0: Not enough Bane in the Greatest Generation (laughs) properties lately. It's been a long time. Yeah. What a memorable villain. Ben, our second Priority One message is from Defested, and it is to Ben and Adam again. The message goes like this. Sending this before you said you'd do the Futurama episode, so if you did it, it was awesome and I loved it. (laughs) If you didn't, fuck you both. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> FYI, I had no choice but to cut the audio of Adam saying Fuck you, Defested To probably use on my streams in the future Unrelated wow. Who is pulling higher these days, Raz or Plavim?
1: Hmm I would say that Plavim is pulling higher Because I think Plavim left the most recent P1 Yeah, I think so too We haven't heard from Raz Raz did not fire back
0: Yeah, uh, where are you,
1: Rascals? Yeah, like I thought the rascal's had Raz's back, but apparently not.
0: I'm going to Wisconsin in uh September.
1: No I wonder
0: if I'm going to run into those guys.
1: Wow. Watch your back.
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah, that I'm I'm seeing that as more of a threat than anything. Yeah.
1: Well, if you'd like to get a priority one message here on The Greatest Discovery, head to MaximumFun.org/slash Jumbotron. We appreciate it uh, because it uh, supports the production of the program. Hey, Ben, what's that, Adam?
0: Did you discover yourself and Edward Larkin? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to give it to uh, the red shirt in the in the rumble in the transporter room in that opening scene, who winds up having to go mano a mano with the cat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> this is something that I feel like does happen from time to time in films and television that that an actor is asked to sell the idea that they are fighting a small, a very small animal. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and this cat like pouncing on this guy was very, very funny to me. And, uh, you, you know, you know that just like a PA had to like toss the cat onto him from just off camera. But, uh, anytime, anytime someone fights a cat is, a uh, gets a big pop from me. So red shirt that fought the cat is my Edward Larkin.
0: I feel like every day for me is fighting a cat. <laughs> for me, it's seven. Seven of Gary is cool as hell. Ben, maybe, yeah. maybe one of the coolest characters I've ever encountered in a Star Trek episode. Give me more of that guy. Bring him back. We don't need Carl on Star Trek Discovery. We need Gary.
1: Yeah. Get out of here, Carl.
0: I mean, Carl's cool and everything. I'm not saying this or that. I'm saying this and that.
1: Mm. Por no las dose. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of weeks from now the next episode of The Greatest Discovery will be one of our famous Q&A episodes. We'd love for you to send in a question for our producer, Robs to uh, collect and potentially ask us on that episode. Uh, Our favorite way for you to do that is to leave a nice five-star review for the program in Apple Podcasts. That really helps us kind of rise through the ranks over there. But uh, if you don't have uh, an iPhone or a Mac uh, and are unable to do that, uh, you can send questions in to the greatest Trek Twitter account or the Instagram account. Uh, and, uh, we'll have Rob's, uh, gather a bunch of questions and, uh, hopefully sit in with us and, uh, ask them to us, uh, live on, on the next episode. Oh, that'll be big
0: fun. I love that. Yeah. We always go weird places with those Q and A's. Those are,
1: those are, those are really fun episodes. Um, Looking forward to it. But uh, I think, I think Adam, for now, we got to call it and uh, let Robs take it from here.
2: The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast, hosted by Adam Pranica and Ben Harrison. It's produced and edited by me, Rob Schulte. Our theme music is by Adam Ragusia. Go check out his YouTube channel and cook your next meal. It'll be great, I promise. Looking for more Trek? Make sure to check out the back catalog, we've got a whole bunch of episodes that span Picard, TOS, Discovery, Short Treks, it's all there. Make sure to follow us on social media under the handles Greatest Trek. we're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as Twitch, where you can see all of our fun live streams. All the social channels are run by the card daddy Bill Tilly, he also mods the Twitch stream, and it's great. Thanks, Bill. If you'd like to help out the show, make sure to go to MaximumFun.org join and pledge your support. You can gain access to a bunch of bonus episodes like the Santa Monica Mountains podcast, one of my personal favorites, as well as Garbage Fire Part 1 and 2. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on another episode of The Greatest Discovery.